you've seen the movie Toy Story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna see. What do you I mean? Can... I've seen the movie Toy Story. You've seen the movie Toy Story. Yeah, of course I have. I'm not a. I'm not living under a rock. You're not living under a rock. So you acknowledge you've seen the movie Toy Story. Yes. Okay. So in Toy Story, uh, Buzz Lightyear at one point ends up uh, in the possession of a small girl who is who his arm falls off. He ends up in her possession, and he, she dresses him up in a little a little dress and a hat, and she starts calling him. Wait, one second. Okay, keep talking. Okay, I'm gonna start over. Mm-hmm. So in Toy Story, in the movie Toy Story, featuring the animated toys from Toy Story. Woody and Buzz and Slinky Dog and Potato Head and Rex and uh, yeah. Little Bo Peep and uh-huh. others, other funds. Uh, there's a scene where Buzz Lightyear jumps off of a thing and his arm falls off and he gets taken in by a little girl who dresses him up in an apron and a hat and starts calling him Mrs. Nesbitt. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all. That's That's how that ties into this book. That's how it ties into this book. Because Nesbitt. And, but whenever I hear Edith Nesbitt's name, I think of Mrs. Nesbitt and Buzz Lightyear drunk on tea. And then he goes, I'm Mrs. Nesbitt. And he bangs the table. That's it. That's my. That's all I had to add. Was it worth it? No. Was it worth... Was that a long... Tra- was, that, was that a good story? Did I do good? Did I do good? No. Hey, everyone. I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's Del Toro it's time. It's Del Toro time. It's terrible. It's just terrible. I hate it it's so It's terrible much. on your end. It's, it's fine terrible. on my end. It is terrible on my end. I hate it. Like it, it, it makes me realize that we are we are far away but so close. We are uh, so close. Ten minutes. Far, yeah, we're about ten minutes away by car. It's not very far. Uh, but by technology, we're pretty far if this, mm-hmm. if this is any indication. Jarrington. Jarrington. A whole jar. Charrington. Do you even have you read this book? Yeah. John Charrington, Charrington's Wedding, uh, by Edith Nesbitt, and uh, it's a short one. Yeah, six pages. Yeah, uh, a swift six pages. This one does not waste any time. Wastes just about as much time as the other one that was not wasting any time. I read this book, uh, the story out loud uh, to Mitzi last night while she finished her dinner. Like that's how that's how much that's how breezy a tale it is, and fairly family friendly as well. I read this story when I woke up at twelve today, <laughs> and it's still fresh in your mind. Yep, uh, and it's pretty much a classic. It's just a ghost story. Like it's a it's a this is a story that you would tell around a campfire. It's that kind of tale. Mm-hmm. So what do you, can you tell me about Edith Nesbitt? Nothing. Would it surprise you if I told you that she spent her entire life being screwed around by a man? No. Yeah, she really, she really, not her entire life. Her husband died and she got remarried to a much better man. But her first husband, who boy, he was a real, he was a real piece of work, as they say. Um, and by piece of work, I mean piece of work. He was a real piece of work. Um so edith nesbitt was born in 1858 in england but she moved around a lot with her family because her sister was sick and it was that time of like if you're if you're really sick if you've got like some kind of tubercular disease just move to a new location and hope for the best but it didn't work it didn't work her sister i mean sometimes it worked 
for some Did people it. because they left the house that was full of uh, asbestos and moved to the countryside and got some air. They didn't have asbestos then, in 1858. Yes, they did. It was just ghouls. They were haunted. They left by the goblins. house full of asbestos. They left the house full of asbestos. Went to the countryside. The person got better. They went back, and the person died. Yes, if if your if your illness is caused by environmental issues like black mold, say, or other things in your house, or like in my case with work, every time I have to go work in my office at like my specific desk, I get I, I spend the day just sick because there is something environmentally that causes me to feel terrible. I have felt maybe nothing. it's those terrible lights. It's the terrible lights. It's something in the air. Like I get a headache and I get like nose running. It's I'm allergic to something in the office and I'm so glad I don't have to go back to my desk every single day. Um, but so, yeah, so they moved around a lot. Her sister ended up dying anyway. Uh, but when she was 18 years old, she met a 21 year old dude by the by the beautiful name of Hubert. Already is a good name. Hubert mm-hmm. Bland. <laughs> Yeah, Hubert Bland. Uh, he was a bank clerk, and they fell in love. I don't know. All I know is that Edith got knocked up, and when she was like seven months pregnant, they got married. So uh, it may not come as much of a surprise to you that she was not the only person Hubert Bland was engaged to, or the only person that Hubert Bland had knocked up in that time period. The craziest part was that at one point, uh, uh, Edith's best friend got knocked up by a guy and was like, can I move in with you? And you can, you can adopt my child and I can like live with you guys because this child, I don't, I don't want her to, I don't want this child to grow up without a family. And so Edith was like, sure, of course, Alice, that's her name. Alice, you can move in with us. So Alice moves in and then she's like, oh, by the way, it was your husband who knocked me up. Uh, And so Edith was like, get out of my house and take your kid with you. And then Hubert was like, if you kick Alice out, I will leave you and our three children. And so Edith Nesbitt was like, fine. And so Alice became their housekeeper and Edith and her husband ended up adopting that child. And they also adopted the other child that the woman had with her husband, Hubert Bland. Uh, It's a pretty rough marriage, it sounds like. And apparently Hubert was not much of a worker. So that's one of the reasons Edith started writing so much is to support the family. Back in the day when you can be like, we need to eat. Guess I'll become a famous children's author, which is what she did. Um, she They were also socialists. They helped found um, a major, uh, the Fabian Society, which still exists today. Uh, she and her husband were among the founders of, of the Fabian Society. They were socialists uh, and uh, uh, Marxists. And that may account for one of the reasons why her children's books, though incredibly popular in the UK, never really hit it big in America. Have you ever read Mm -hmm. any children's books by Edith Nesbitt? I don't know. She wrote Five Children and It. Not about five children and a clown called it, though. Uh, it's about children who find like a fairy and like a fairy creature, like a weird creature. And that was a series. Uh, she wrote, uh, 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 the story of the treasure seekers. She wrote the railway children. She wrote the magic city, the enchanted castle, just tons of books and short stories for children, but also four volumes of, of horror stories. So, and that's what we're touching on today. She was also well known for writing ghost stories, horror stories, weird tales, uh, a, a form of fiction that was very much 
at the time, very much written by women, although they have been largely forgotten in our modern modern era, uh, and only recently have major collections of ghost stories and weird fiction from the 19th century by women started really coming out, because there was a lot of them, and Edith Nesbitt was one of them. Uh, today, she is celebrated. Like, every single British children's author is like, yeah, Edith Nesbitt's my primary influence. Like, every single one of them. I think it's because... Even though she was writing about fairies and stuff, she wrote children with real psychology as opposed to mm -hmm. the most important thing is sort of like the fantastical land. It's like that's important, but also like making sure these kids are very realistic and that you have kids that readers can relate to. So that's kind of what Edith Nesbitt was known for. And you see her influence carried on down. But that has nothing to do with the story we're reading today. John Charrington's something or other. John Charrington's... Wedding. Wedding. I keep wanting to say John Charrington's marriage, which is definitely not what it's about because uh, as you'll as you'll see, it, it, he doesn't end up having much of a, of a marriage at all. Um, at all. So uh, Willow, thank you for sitting through my, my brief rundown of Edith Nesbitt. What is John Charrington's wedding about? So there's a guy named John Charrington who always gets what he wants. He does. Uh, just by saying it. Mm. And our narrator's like, okay. Our narrator's just boring. He's just a boring guy. His no one is, cares about him. All we know about him is that his name is Jeffrey. Yep. Uh, he keeps asking this woman to marry him. He, she keeps saying no. And suddenly she says yes. And he's very excited. They're very excited. Everyone's excited. Uh... Then John gets, like, a letter or something from a guy who, like, raised him or did right by his, him. His godfather. His godfather. Yeah. Uh, who's, like, dying, so he goes to visit. Uh, and everyone's like, you better be back in time for your wedding. And he's like, haha, don't worry about it. And so he leaves, and then our narrator's supposed to pick him up from the train station. He never shows up, so the narrator just goes to the wedding, and somehow he's there. And then... They get married and everyone dies. <laughs> okay, they get married and he disappears. And his wife dies. Like a week later. No. But she, yeah, she dies. Like she a dies week. right after. No, they bring her into the house and it says she didn't last a week. Oh, I just, yeah. I've misread that. I read that it as is, she died on the way to the house. Because it says, for first it says that all that's all that they find is like a bundle of, of silks or whatever on the ground. Like they don't even say it's her. They just say, at first I thought it was just her clothes left behind. I think she was dead and they waited a week to bury her. I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah. It's I and mean, it is vague. I guess you could also that that interpretation could also be correct. Yeah, because it says before a week was over, they laid her beside her husband in our little churchyard on the time covered hill, uh, the churchyard where they had kept a love tryst. So yeah, I guess I guess yeah, she could have also died. The the long and short of it being, regardless, they never find. Well, okay, so <laughs> we skimmed uh, we skimmed over what exactly happened. So you're right. Like it, and that's a pretty succinct summation of the story. Uh, John Charrington gets everything he wants, but he's not a jerk. I mean, not no more than any of the other guys in the story. Like he, he and May seem to be in genuinely in love with each other. Yeah. Like she loves him, and they like the narrator discovers that they have been like having these like romantic trysts, as he says, like in the graveyard. Like that's that's why mm -hmm. his friends never saw them courting with each other because they were always in the graveyard, just hanging out together and just enjoying each other's company. So I mean, John Charrington is he just he's very very uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Confident. Just like, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's be fine. Everything will be fine. I guess if you have, do you have I mean, he's that friend though, that everything always seems to work out really well for just because they're really confident. Yeah. And in a way he is, and in that way, he is the worst person. Mm-hmm. Who's that friend in your friend group? I'm not going to call out my friends. <laughs> you can tell me afterwards. It's me. Yeah. It's me. I mean, I do have the I did have the reputation for a while of everything just kind of working out, even though I didn't really try that hard, just by me just being like, ah, whatever, whatever. And it'll be fine. And just being people like, man, everything just kind of happens for you. And but the real truth of that is I just set my expectations very low and acted super Ooh. happy whenever anything happened. Um, I never I didn't. It's not that I got everything I wanted. It's just that I only said I wanted things that I kind of knew were already possibilities in my which I guess if you want to come across as the kind of guy who gets everything he wants, only announce that you want things that you know you're probably most likely to get. There you go. That's John Charrington. How to be a John Charrington. Yeah, because he could have just been been saying that he was going to marry her after he like has been courting her for a while. It's probably what he did. <laughs> That's probably yeah. why she turned down everyone because because she's like, I'm already seeing John. Because yes, because like in the story, they're like everyone wanted this this woman. She was beautiful, but they didn't really want to marry her. They were like, she's so beautiful, she's cool, and it just sort of became a game. Like every guy would be like, go out with me, go out with me, and she'd be like, oh you, oh you. Uh, come to find out, though, John was really putting in the moves on her and working his way in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a respectful way. He yep. wasn't a he wasn't a player. He was no Hubert Bland. I want to see. Is there a picture of Hubert Bland? Like, what if he's like the? He handsome... worked as a bank man. There's no way he's anything more than completely average. Oh my God! The picture of him on Wikipedia is like imagine a bank manager from the 1800s and it's exactly <laughs> what you're thinking he has yeah. like s- slicked hair part in the middle a weird little mustache and a monocle Does and he's he have, staring yeah he has a monocle he's staring straight, straight at you like you came to work late known look at the known for known for read it out loud he was under, known for being in it what under his photo on wikipedia it says known for yeah right that's where he is known for being an infamous libertine a journalist an early english socialist and one of the founders of the fabian society no 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 no. under his photo it says born oh socialism writings and infidelity (laughs) known for socialism writings infidelity and i guess you know he had a quote voracious sexual appetite i would say uh he smoked he claimed to be adventurous with drugs having taken opium in all its forms as well as other drugs he hated the pharisees the prigs and the puritans he sounds like that guy who's like no man i'm super liberated but all that means is like i get to sleep with whoever i want and i hate anyone who has different religious beliefs than me (laughs) yeah he had a heart attack apparently he joined the catholic church he had a heart attack yeah it didn't kill him though it just it just made him go blind Hmm. When did he die? Uh, uh, he died in eighteen, nineteen fourteen, at the age of fifty-nine. So you know, relatively young. Um, but yeah, he was a writer. Well, yeah, because his wife remarried. Yeah. Um, adventurous with drugs though. Yeah, but she was only three years younger than him. She remarried at fifty-six. Like that's pretty. Yeah, I know. Pretty solid. She was super respected. Like people liked Edith Nesbitt a lot. Um, but okay. So what were we talking about? Oh yeah. Uh, so John Charrington was not a Hubert Bland. He was not a player. He loved May, and they got engaged. But uh, and it's, it's. I mean, it's a short story. You don't really find out a whole lot about him. Yeah, his godfather gets sick and is like, "Come to me, come see me." And he's like, "Don't worry." About it. But he keeps. 
if you're paying attention, he draw throughout the story. He's like, "Don't worry, May. We're gonna get together, whether I'm dead or alive. <laughs> like nothing can keep me from our wedding, not even death, May." And you're like, "All right, we get it. We get it." Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he. You find out that he gets killed. He gets thrown from a dog cart on his way to the train station. He breaks his neck. Uh, but then he shows up at the wedding. And when I read this to Mitzi, she was like, how did he get to the wedding? How did he get to the wedding? He's a ghost. Right. But she was like, did he take the train as a ghost and nobody could see him? And that's why John no. Charrington didn't see him? No. He has a, his connection to the... If we're talking ghost rules here, his only connection to the mortal plane at this point was the wedding. So he just sort of appeared there. So he just appeared at the wedding. Yeah, it was like he was haunting the wedding. But he was in physical form. Like, people... Ghosts can do that. He could touch his wife. He was physically there. Yeah, ghosts can do that. And he actually had a wound. He had, like, a uh, a wound over his eye, apparently, from where he hit the ground. His clothes were dirty. So when you are ghosts dead... Ghosts can do that. When you come back as a dead person, as a dead person, are you... Are you... He almost seems half zombie. No. Because he doesn't speak. <laughs> he just walks. And people doesn't are like, he speak? He has to say, I do. I guess he does have to say. He doesn't, and we never hear him say anything. There's like, and he ignores everyone when he walks in. Oh, because there's yeah, one other haunting character. The, he's haunting the wedding. He is the wedding. It's John Charrington's wedding. But he's haunting it. Is he? Because he's, yeah, that's what he's doing. He's haunting the wedding. Well, there's a character named Biles, who's the gardener, who sort of fills us in on what happened. And he's like, everyone thinks this guy's drunk. Uh, and we know this guy can hold his drink. We've seen him drink. So there's something going on with him. Uh, he showed up here. He's a mess. He's not talking to anyone. And he's just going through the going through the the, the motions. And so he he and the he and May get married. And she looks like death warmed over when she comes out of the churchyard. Everyone's mm-hmm. there. They're getting ready to throw rice and slippers, which I love, because apparently you used to throw slippers at weddings. And I'm like, where'd they get the slippers? Uh like, do you buy the slippers? Are they special wedding slippers that are, like, kind of cheap, but I they look nice know. enough that you can throw them? Wedding slippers. But then we ended up tying shoes to the backs of cars, and maybe that's, like, what ended it. We're like, we'll just tie them yeah. to the backs of the car. Um. So, yeah. So, everyone brings their shoes to throw, but they never get a chance because they're just like, Ugh. oh, and there's the bell ringers who are supposed to ring the wedding bells. But when they pull the mm-hmm. bell cord to ring the wedding bell, for some reason, the funeral bells ring. And that kind of puts mm-hmm. a damper on everything. Yep. People are like, well, people are like, dudes, what are you doing? That's not funny. And they're like, nah, 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 and they run away. That's my favorite part. So the bell ringers are like, ah, it's a ghost. And they take off for the hills. Um, so, yeah, so John Charrington and May then get in the carriage. May's father and the narrator, Jeffrey, get into the father's carriage. And they're like, Be- get ahead of their carriage. We got to get to home before they do. So mm-hmm. they zip to his house when the bride's carriage arrives john charrington is gone and she is in your interpretation dead dead on the ground dead on the floor of the carriage her face she just looks like she looks like the person who just like saw the ring and in the movie Mm -hmm. the ring she has like this terror look on her face she's white her hair is white uh and they're like damn i guess john charrington got his wedding just like he said and uh so the question the question i have for you is what killed may like at what point terror at what point though was her fate sealed uh probably as soon as john charrington walked into the (laughs) wedding area do you think she was compelled to marry him like do you think that there was something going on besides just his ghost returning 
Like the force of his will, the fact that he always gets what he wants, like the fact that she is terrified as they leave the, it's not like she was like, my husband, we got married. And then she gets in the carriage and that's when she finds out he's a ghoul. Like she knows something's up as soon as she gets married. Is she like powerless to stop herself at this point? I don't, I'm just, I'm just asking for like, just, I'm just talking. Like, I'm just, I don't have an idea. I'm just like, it's a curious story. No idea. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe she's like, I just want to get this wedding over with. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Uh, I think that's where this story edges from just a ghost story into the weird a little bit. Because mm -hmm. typically these stories don't result in death if a loved one returns. Like if a loved one returns to have one final meeting with their their, spouse or fiance, that's usually a good thing. But... Mm -hmm. This ends up taking a major left. Like you would expect, like, and they got married, and then he disappeared, and she like lived, you know, like sadly ever after. But no, like it, it kills his wife. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that's where the stuff stuff gets kind of ooky and kooky in this story. Yeah, yeah. But you don't have any. I like, mean, for all for all we know, she just died of a heart attack. Why did she look so scared then? Because she saw a ghost. I guess what I'm saying is, <laughs> I guess I'm not making myself clear. She already knew he was a ghost when she got in the carriage. What? Did she? Well, she looked terrible when they left. Like she was like, well, like Ugh. yeah, I would, I would look terrible too if my husband, if my future husband came to the wedding covered in blood, <laughs> with a wound on his forehead. I'd be like, should we stop the wedding? I guess like it says, uh, there was dust on his coat. His hair was disarranged. He was deathly pale, but his pallor was not greater than that of the bride, who might have been carved in ivory, dress, veil, orange blossoms, face, and all. Maybe uh, she was already dead at that point. I'm just wondering. Or I'm wondering, I guess I'm wondering what, like, beyond find out he's dead. Like, to me, like, there was something. He revealed something in that. Like, she saw something in that carriage that yeah. that was beyond just, like, your husband is dead. It was. Maybe it wasn't his her husband. Maybe it was something ooh, else. Ooh. Like, something else, like, that took his form. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Some kind of like ghoul waiting for the right body to come back in or as. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like this whole story is about this woman that everyone lusts after. Mm-hmm. Um, at least like partially. Wouldn't be that far, far fetched to think like maybe there was some demon or something that wanted her as well. Maybe, maybe, maybe some fairy. Maybe. I like going It's there. always the fairies. It's always the fairies. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could, yeah, there could be some, some shapeshifter who shows up and is like, hey, hey, I'm back. And she's like, all right, let's do this. And then they get into the, uh, into the carriage and the shapeshifter's like, oh, by the way, this isn't what I look like. And then turns into something the human mind can't comprehend and her brain explodes. Like it could just be something mm-hmm. as simple as that. I mean... I mean, weddings in the face story in face stories are always complicated because it's a <laughs> it's a pact that you're making with a fairy, right? Uh, and like once you make a pact with a fairy, you can't really get out of it. That's true. That's true. We've built on additional lore to an old Edith Nesbitt story, and now yeah. it's better. So yeah. So yeah. our our narrator is like, well, that's what happened. That's what happened at John Charrington's wedding. Hope you enjoyed it, and. We don't really get, we don't, you know, that because it just ends right there. We don't really find out if like, I don't know, like who did the narrator, like was, did the narrator move? Like did the rest, how did the rest of their friends feel about this? It just all kind of sucked for everyone. And then like you could move on with your life, but it does make for a fun, 
just a fun little ghost story. Like it's a fun little ghost story. It's a little chilling. It's a little like ghoulish, mm-hmm. and then you're and then you're done. You go on with your life. You you clear up the dinner table dishes, and you uh and you get ready for bed. <laughs> it, the it's never been adapted into into a film or anything, but it was included. Um, what's his name? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee did a a a reading of it in I'm just looking for the uh looking for the uh Christopher Lee's Fireside Tales was a show on the BBC Radio BBC Radio 4 where Christopher Lee read or recounted like famous ghost stories and it's mostly like the monkey's paw uh the raven but also John Charrington's wedding was included in this in this collection and that's really it uh, as far as adaptations go uh, which surprises me you would think that this one would have been like i don't know turned into a, a tv special or something like it's a spooky little tale that can be told in about a half an hour so Somebody out there, please adapt John Jarrington's wedding for me. I would really appreciate it. Why don't you adapt it? Why don't I adapt it? Yeah. How? Like with I don't know. You know people. You have bu- actor friends. With a bunch of my friends. You've directed before. I yeah, if you want any, to. I don't have any friends. Maybe I could do a. Uh, That's maybe I could a do a damn lie. That that was so that was John Jarrington's wedding. Um, and that's I don't know. Really, do you have anything else to add about it? Like any? I like our version better. Oh, that he was actually uh, not John Charrington in the end of the, at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 Yes, I agree. We are better writers than Edith Nesbitt. <laughs> not true. <laughs> uh, so, what is the next story? Oh, by the way, this is uh this is the Dark Descent. Uh, we're covering the stories of from the Dark Descent collection by David David G. Harwell. Uh, we are right now in the Color of Evil section, where all the was this evil? Was this evil? This is from the Color of Evil. Well, she was brutally killed at the end. She was killed at the end. And if we're going with it wasn't John Charrington, then yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty evil. I would say like up until she dies, it's a little confusing as to what even is malevolent about this. But then all of a sudden you're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh no. And then it becomes. And even if of- it was him, it's it's almost uh, if I can't have you, no one can scenario. Yeah, it's somewhat worse. It's that whole thing of like, mm-hmm. no, 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 you don't understand. I always get what I want. Yeah. And now I get to marry you and now I get you in death. Even though mm-hmm. he again wasn't portrayed as a jerk in real life. He seemed like a nice enough guy. It's like his force of will was so strong that brother's going to get what he wants. So what's our next story? What? What's our next story? Sticks by Carl Edward Wagner. Carl Edward Wagner, a uh, a writer whose work I am absolutely not familiar with i know he did a bunch of like i think or he did stuff in the conan universe uh but this story sticks apparently just from what little i know about it which is the title and what it says on the uh isfdb is part of the overtly lovecraftian story of historical and cosmic evil yep a forbidden knowledge piece it is it is included in several uh like tales of of like lovecraft and tales of the cthulhu mythos collection so this book this story okay we'll talk about it next week but it's included in the book of cthulhu and in the book of zombies so it's included in several cthulhu mythos books and several zombie collections so i am very curious as to where this falls on the old horror meter i assume i assume zombies and cthulhu that the zombies versus cthulhu huh 
Uh, that would be an amazing story. Uh, there's a collection called Shotguns versus Cthulhu, which is like action tales set in the Cthulhu universe. It's actually very good. So I would watch zombies. Do they shoot? Cthulhu. Do they shoot him with shotguns? No, they don't. They don't actually oh. do that. It's sort of it's sort of to say like these are not into like cerebral tales of creeping horror. They're more like the world has gone to hell with Cthulhu creatures. They're more action oriented, and they're actually very yeah. some very good tales in there. Uh, but next week's uh, story is going to drop the week of Halloween. So I guess if we can get some Cthulhu and zombies in there, it's going to be a fun one. All right. Mm. So this was. It's Del Toro time. Goodbye. Uh, that's not how we end the show. This. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. No, this is a. Uh, this is a. Uh, so yeah. So join us next time for uh, for for David J- David Sticks. Wagner David Wagner to Wagner <laughs> Carl Edward Wagner <laughs> Carl Edward Wagner uh, Sticks Sticks. Uh, we look forward to seeing you there. I am Phil. And I'm Willow. And we'll see you when it's Del Toro time. Del Toro time.